Acts chapter 21. We're going to pick up at verse 27. Last week, we left Paul in a mess. Paul has come back to Jerusalem, and the, the Jerusalem church leadership said, Hey, uh, you know, we know you've been out for the last uh, almost 20 years preaching to all of these Gentiles, and word has come back. So, so we want you to take a vow and, and go to the temple and offer your sacrifice so that people don't forget that, that uh, you still love the Jewish people. Well, that was all well and good until the Jews from Asia showed up. And while they're in town, remember this is the Pentecost. This is all these Jewish people have come from all over to worship Pentecost. And while they're in town, they view Paul with a young man by the name of Trophimus. We Remember we met Trophimus a couple weeks ago? He was Paul's faithful traveling companion. He's actually going to travel with Paul all during his prison time too. He came from, from Asia with Paul. He was a Gentile. And they saw Paul with Trophimus and so they thought erroneously that Paul took a Gentile into the temple and so they got really mad and they, they, they grabbed Paul and they beat him up and they threw him out of the temple. That's where we left Paul last week. Poor Paul. I mean, this guy can't catch a break. But what do we know? The Holy Spirit had told him what? You're going to be arrested by the Jews. And you're going to be placed into the hands of the Gentiles, which is the Romans. So we pick up today... Uh, I paraphrase 27 to 37 for you. So we're going to pick up at verse 37. And today what we're going to look at is how Paul shares his personal testimony to the Jewish people. He's going to take on himself the opportunity to share his personal testimony. So let's grab... Uh, chapter our Bibles and turn to chapter 21 and begin in verse 37. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, okay, remember what's happened is riot is broken out. They have, the Jews have, have beaten Paul and they've kicked him out of the temple and they continue to beat on Paul. The Romans have come, and we'll look at this in just a minute. The Romans have come and surrounded the temple and grabbed Paul and tried to save him. And as Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the commander, May I say something to you? And he said, Do you know Greek? You are not, an, not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up a revolt and led 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness. But Paul said, I'm a Jew of Tarsus in Sicilius, excuse me, Cilicius, a citizen of no insignificant city. I beg you, allow me to speak to the people. And when he had given him permission, Paul Standing on the stairs, motioned for the people with his hand, 
And when there was a great hush, he spoke to them in the Hebrew dialect. And I want to stop there because I want to set the scene for us. Okay? The temple in Jerusalem. Oh, I didn't think it was a video. All right. So here is, this is the temple right here. It is surrounded by a walkway, and there are two 600-foot walkways that allow the soldiers from over here at the barracks to come over and literally surround the temple grounds. They would, there's 6,000 men in the, it, and it's known as Fort Antonio, Fort Antonia, named after Mark, Mark, Marcus, Mark Anthony. So Fort Antonia has, has at least a legion. 6,000 Roman soldiers are posted there. And they have access across the bridgeway that the historian Josephus tells about it. They would come across and then they could surround it in case there was a revolt. So Paul has caused an issue. They have literally taken him, thrown him out of the temple area into this area here. Then he is grabbed by the Romans and he's taken down into this area. This is a common area for the Jews to be. They continue to beat him. And there's a set of stairs that go up here into the barracks. This is where Paul is going to make his great speech. He's going to give his testimony to the people. Now, the reason I I bring this to you is because all of us should know what our testimony is. How did we come to Jesus? And we're gonna, we will look at this through Paul's eyes. How does Paul share his personal testimony? Because Paul preaches all the time. He, you could ask him, hey, Paul, tell us about justification. Tell us about sanctification. Tell us, you know, Paul is a theologian. But yet when he captivates the Roman people who have just tried to beat him to death, what does he do? He doesn't say, I want to share with you grace. No, he says, let me tell you my story. Because when we share our story, people are connecting the gospel to something personal. They need to know... If, I, if you expect me to, to embrace the gospel, I need to know how it affected you. And that's exactly what Paul's going to do. So let's continue on in Acts chapter 22. And let's see what Paul does. He has everybody's attention. He's standing on the steps. Maybe he's got a little blood running out of his ears. I don't know. He got beat pretty good because there was a big mob that was after him. But he's standing on the steps. He's in handcuffs. It says they bound him with two chains. And they literally had to put them on his shoulders to get out of the mob. And he's surrounded by Roman soldiers standing on the steps. 
And now he's going to speak to the Hebrew people. And let's look first at verses 1 through 5. Brethren, fathers, hear my defense which I now offer to you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew, born of Tarsus of Sicilia, but brought up in this city, educated under Gamaliel, strictly according to the laws of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted the way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prisons, as also the high priest and all the council of the elders can testify. From them I also received letters to the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there in Jerusalem as prisoner, or bring them there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. It says Paul was going to give his defense. The word for defense is apologia. It's where we get our our word apologetics. If you if anybody's been to Bible college, you can take a class in apologetics. And what is that? Apologetics is the systematic defense of your faith or of a doctrine. It's systematic. What does that mean? It means I'm gonna I'm gonna go in order. I'm gonna give you, and when we give our testimony, just as Paul does, we're giving an apologetic, we're giving a defense. Matter of fact, Peter told us that we have an obligation to give our apologetics, our apologia. In 1 Peter 3.15 it says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always, oh how often? Always. Always being ready to make a defense, an apologia, to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And that's exactly what Paul does. The first thing I want you to understand is that God entrusts the gospel to humans only. To humans. And that means all of us. He entrusts the gospel to us. You see, wouldn't it be easier if the Holy Spirit just came and said, okay, this is your time, here's the gospel, and spoke it to us? Or maybe God would send an angel and the angel would say, hey, Ben, I want you to know the gospel. Here it is. And he just lays it out. Wouldn't that be easier? But God entrusts it to humans. As a matter of fact, there's only one time in the Bible when God entrusts the gospel to angels, and that's in Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. It says, And I saw another angel flying in mid-heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. You know when that takes place? 
at the very end of the tribulation period. God gives everybody the gospel by means of an angel coming out of the air, preaching to every nation, tribe, and tongue. Why? So no man would have an excuse. Because it's our responsibility as humans to give the gospel. As believers, we're, we're to give a, disp- uh, a defense of why we have that hope. Well, there's a couple things I want you to take away from the way Paul gives shares his. First of all, he is gracious to his audience. We have to be gracious. You know, it's one thing, you know, to say, anybody ever been someplace where they've had street preachers? No? We used to do that back in the 70s. Uh, we would go out doing street preaching, and we had a couple guys that were that loved to do it, but they, they kind of missed the mark a little bit in that they would, you need to be saved. You're all sinners. Oh, I'm glad the baby's in the other room. Goodness sakes. Man, he was, he was ready to take his nap. I'm glad he made it out. Paul was gracious. Men, brethren and fathers, hear my defense as he speaks to them. What had they just done to him? They just beat the tarnation out of him. I mean, he is bruised and battered. And he gets up and he's in handcuffs, no less. Hey, guys. (laughs) Brethren, fathers showed that what that's a that those are words of respect because you're not going to win somebody by beating them over the head with the bible it's not how it works he showed them grace the graciousness of the gospel brethren fathers and notice when they heard that what happened it says they even got quieter What's this guy have to say? He's speaking to us in our own tongue, the Hebrew dialect. And he speaks to them. And the first thing he does is he finds common ground. I'm a Jew from Tarsus. I trained under Gamaliel. Gamaliel's still alive. He is one of the chief rabbis of Israel. And people love Gamaliel. As a matter of fact, Gamaliel made a defense when they arrested the apostles. He says, I trained under him. I'm a Pharisee. I not only am that, but I persecuted The way. The way had become the name of the church. Where did they get their name? From Jesus. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. They got their name, the way. I persecuted them. Matter of fact, see all these rabbis, see the 
Pharisees, see the ruling council that's sitting out here among you? Every one of these guys can testify. I was there when they stoned Stephen. They laid their coats at my feet while they stoned Stephen. And then they gave me letters to go persecute the church, go persecute the way. He found a common ground because by that time, you know somebody's got something good going on when, when they're going like this, right? Yes, go like that. You can, you can help me out a little bit. Go like that, right? Yeah, there you go. That's almost as good as hanky waving. Not quite. But they were not there. Yes. Yes, we remember that, Paul. You, you did persecute the church. You persecuted the way. He found that common ground with them. And then he goes on to tell his story. He's going to share what he was like before he got saved. And that's when we tell the gospel story, when we tell our story, our personal testimony, we start out with where we were before. Now, Paul, he was a bad guy. I arrested people. I threw them in prison, men and women. I was, I was a bad guy. We start out with what happened before. Now, some of us may not, you, you're sitting there thinking, well, I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church. That's the way, I, I mean, I was in church before I was born. My mom and daddy, they were there every Sunday. They grew up, my first memory was riding my tricycle up and down the sidewalk while my parents literally built the walls of the little church that they were attending. I don't have a testimony of being this bad person. I have a good friend of mine, Tom, Tom Hall, and we've been, we've been rafting together for over 30 years, and uh, I love sharing uh, when we're, one of the things we do in, in the rafting ministry that we're part of is that every time we take a team out, a group out, they hear somebody's testimony every day, whether it's a one-day trip or whether it is a multi-day trip, but they're going to hear people's testimony. And we train all of our new guides in how to share their testimony. And the first time, the first time I had to follow Tom, I went, oh my. Because Tom's testimony is that when he, was, he was a heroin addict. When he was in his 20s, he's, he was in a parking structure in Pennsylvania with a needle of heroin hanging out of his arm. And he was about ready to overdose. And he said, God, save me or kill me, but I can't do this anymore. And all of a sudden he was overcome by the power of God and he pulled the needle out of his arm. Prayed right there in the parking structure. Okay, God, uh, I, this, is your, you know, this is your gig now. You show me the way went home and he flushed all of his drugs down the toilet. Now, if anybody knows anything about heroin addiction, usually you go through withdrawals. He not, did not have one withdrawal symptom. God, he, went, he found a church, got into a church, got baptized, 
That's a hard, hard one to follow. Because I, hi, I grew up in a Christian home. I never knew a time when Jesus wasn't spoken in my house. I went to church every Sunday, every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and two weeks in July for revival. So what I would start out with when, we'd ha- when I'd be sharing my testimony with kids, I grew up in the drug culture. My mom and daddy drugged me to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and two weeks in July. You don't have to have this, this, this story of, of this great salvation like, like Paul did. I was, a, I was a persecutor of the church. I was, a, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisee, and I went out and threw people. You know what, what's wonderful about when I share my testimony? Is I tell people, do you realize how much God saved me from Because I watched my classmates. Remember, I went, to, I went to high school in the 70s. I graduated in 1975. Y'all are doing the math now, aren't you? Right? I watched my classmates burn out on drugs, on alcohol. Our class president was stoned on the day of our graduation. That could have been me if it hadn't been for the grace of God. And that's what I share with people. It doesn't have to be. And you're sitting there going, I, I, well, how about, uh, what, if I, what if I don't have this? You don't, it's your story. You start your story where it was. It doesn't have to be flashy. It doesn't have to be. Uh, Paul told his story exactly how it was. Well, let's look and see now as he shares his story about the day he got saved. Let's look at at verses 6 to 16. But it happened that as I was on my way approaching Damascus, about noontime a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me and I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus, the Nazarene, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me saw the light to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told of all that has been appointed for you to do. But since I could not see, because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand of those who were with me, and came into Damascus. A certain Ananias, a man who was devout of the stamp, by the standard of the law, and well spoken of by the Jews who lived there, came to me, and standing near, said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very time, I looked at him, and he said to me, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will, and to see the righteous one, 
and to hear an utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness to, for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Paul shares how he got saved. We need to share how we personally came to know Jesus Christ as Savior. You see, it's not enough that they know generally, but you need to share personally. How did you come to know Jesus Christ? And I want you to notice there are several things that, that Paul does. First of all, he includes the gospel in his testimony. Notice who did he say, who, got, who saved him? Who, who, who was it when he called out, who are you, Lord? He says it's Jesus of Nazareth. There's no question as to who was part of his salvation. And as we share our personal testimonies, we should be including the gospel. What is that? First of all, we're all sinners. Right? Romans 3.23. Now you guys are like going, have I heard that before? Two years ago, that was one of your memory verses, wasn't it? A matter of fact, two years ago, as a church, we memorized every one of these five verses. So somewhere in that drawer should be your cards. Maybe it's time to get them out and dust them off a little bit. Because Paul's already showed us how much of a sinner he was. He was a bad guy. But we're all sinners, right? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then next he, 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 he says, Who are you? Lord, I, I, I don't know who you are. Because sin had what? Sin had separated him from Jesus. So he goes on then, and he finds out who Jesus is. Jesus says, it, I, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. Who you, who you are persecuting? The next thing is that Jesus paid by his, for our sins by his death on the cross. Amen? And Paul says what? He says, the one who, who he talks about, he says, the God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one. That's an important piece right there. The righteous one is the Messiah. The only one, the only one who can save anyone. The righteous one, the Messiah. And to hear an utterance from his mouth. And then we move on to, to Romans 10, not 10 9, 9 and 10. He says, you will receive forgiveness by confessing and believing, right? That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, right? Look what Paul does. He says... For you will be witness to him, to all men, what you've seen and heard. Now, why do you delay? Get up and be baptized, washing away your sins, and what? 
calling on his name. He confessed Jesus Christ as his Lord. Now, there are some people who say, well, pastor, you know, I was one of those people who got, uh, you know, I, I never knew a time that I didn't love Jesus. And what I tell them is, if, you, if you're looking for a place to plant your flag, when did you get baptized? Because when you got baptized, if the preacher was worth his salt, he would have said, do you profess Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And you would have said what? Yes. And at that very point, you have professed Jesus Christ as Savior. Use that date. Say, that's that when I got baptized... When I was, and you, whatever that was, whenever it was, I professed Jesus Christ as my Savior. Because that's what the rite of baptism is all about. That's why, here, you, you hear me talk a lot about baptism. I'm so glad we're baptizing, you know, these people come on next Sunday. Because they're going to have an opportunity to profess Jesus Christ as Savior. So that's exactly what Paul did. And the next thing we need to do is tell them what your life has been like since you met Jesus. Now I can tell you from my own personal testimony, my, my life did not dramatically change. Guess what? I still went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and two weeks in July just in case I needed to be revived. My, the, the, the behavior of my life didn't say, now did Tom's change dramatically? Oh, absolutely. Tom went from being the heroine. Can you imagine if Tom were to walk into our church this Sunday? You know what I would hope we would do? You know, here's this guy that's got needle marks all up and down his arm. I would hope that we would just wrap our arms around him and say, hey, Tom, we love you, brother. Come in here and sit down. Let's talk about what Jesus is doing in your life. But my behavior, I still went to church. But you know what happened for me? All of a sudden, when I started reading the Word of God, I'd read the Bible and I'd go, wow, I never saw that before because I didn't have the Holy Spirit. I got so excited about Jesus, I got, I got saved in, in, in August. Just We were already doing daily doubles for football. And I got saved after I invited a bunch of my football buddies to come to hear Bill Glass preach. So I, I, got, I got saved, and the, the next day I'm like going, wow, what do I do with this now? And uh, I, as soon as school started, we had a little group that it started called a Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Anybody ever heard of it? Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I'm like, well, this is cool because my youth group, we had, we had maybe 10 kids in, in youth group. I was a sophomore, so I wasn't really high on the totem pole yet. And, and so I just started going to this thing, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I found out we had some Christian coaches. 
and, and those Christian coaches began to open up their classrooms for lunch. And so we would sit around. We'd have Bible studies at lunch. And then, then we, we would invite kids to, we had a thing called the fourth quarter, which was at the, at the end of every football game or basketball game, we would, we would go to somebody's house and we'd have dessert. And then we'd sh- somebody would share the gospel. And kids started getting saved. Kids started getting baptized. I, I remember going to, the, going to the Lebanon community pool and watching one of my good friends who we just led to Christ get baptized. And God began to move. I had a desire to share the gospel everywhere. You know, that we were right in the middle of that Jesus freak thing. <laughs> now, I didn't grow my hair long or do any of that, but... but we just wanted to share the gospel every place. And one of the things we need to do is after we share how God has changed, how our life has been sent, is that we need to give them the opportunity to do the same thing we did. Because a lot of times we forget that. We share our testimony and we forget. What did Jesus do? He did this all the time. He asked a question. Have you ever... And the question we would have... Would you like to do that right now? Would you like to pray like I did on the football field at West Albany High School Memorial Stadium? Would you like to pray and receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior right now? Now, I have to tell you, unfortunately, Paul didn't do that. Paul got himself into a bit of a pickle uh, when he shares, as he goes along, he gets to chapter 23. Excuse me. Uh, in chapter 22, he gets to this point. In verse 21, he said, And he said to me, Go, for, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles, and as soon as Paul shares that the Gentiles he's been preaching to, everybody loses their mind. They, they go nuts, away with him! The riot starts anew. So Paul doesn't have the opportunity to share with them the end of the story, which is wouldn't you like to receive Jesus Christ? He doesn't give a chance to ask somebody the question. So Paul is, is uh, led off, and, and there's, there's, at the end of 22, they're going to scourge him. He says, I'm a Roman. They go, uh-oh. <laughs> we can't do, we shouldn't even put you in handcuffs. We're in trouble here. And the, uh, the Romans... Say, all right, tomorrow, tomorrow we're going to let you address the council again. Now, the reason I'm reading this to you is this is the way not to share your testimony. All right? Paul, looking intently at the council, this is the next day. Paul, looking intently at the council, said, Brethren, I have lived my life with... with a perfectly good conscience before God up to this day. 
The high priest Ananias commanded those standing beside him to strike him in the mouth. And Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Do, do you sit and try me according to the law in violation of the law in ordering me to be struck? But the bystander said, do you revile the high priest? And Paul said, oh, I was not aware, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of the ruler of your people. But perceiving that, there, that one group were Sadducees, and the other Pharisees, Paul began crying out to the council, Brethren, I am a Pharisee of the son of the Pharisees, and I'm on trial for the hope of the resurrection of the dead. And as he said this, there occurred a dissension among the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. That's not the way you share your testimony. Paul knew that as soon as he brought up the resurrection there was going to be a battle between the Pharisees and the Sadducees because the Sadducees, they didn't believe in all of that. They didn't believe in miracles. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. They didn't believe in the coming Messiah, but the Pharisees did. So Paul immediately, folks, don't, don't start your testimonies. Would you, would you like to know how to be saved? Because the person is going to say, what do I need to be saved from? I'm, I'm not drowning. You know, we tend to use Christianese, right? It happened to, to Jesus when, when uh, he said, be born again, right? He told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus going, am I supposed to crawl back in my mother's womb? We can confuse people by using Christianese. But when we tell people, hey, we've all sinned, me, you, everybody else, we're all all in the same boat, aren't we? That common ground. You know what your sin is. I know what my sin is. I'm not asking you to jump up and down and tell the world. I'm telling you, you need to tell God. Because that sin has separated you from Jesus. So, so Paul gives them a, a reason to argue. When you share your testimony, it should never be an argument. It should be an opportunity for them to receive Jesus. Then look at, I want you to look at one more verse in this chapter, verse 23, verse 11. But on the night immediately following, the Lord stood at his side and said, Take courage, for as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, you must witness at Rome also. Paul's ministry is done in Jerusalem. God is sending him to Rome. There's an assassination plot. People want to kill him. It comes to the attention of the Roman commander. He orders him in the midst of the night to be taken out and go to Caesarea where, the, where he will stand trial before the governor. And he will indeed preach 
to governors and kings and an emperor. Something that Paul knew all the way back before he left because if you remember, before he left Macedonia, he says, oh, and I need to go to Rome also. God just had a different route and a different timeline. He's going to spend two years in prison in Caesarea. Then he's going to spend two years in house arrest in Rome before he ever gets to speak to Caesar. But all during that time, God is using him. God will use him to train many, many young men to be preachers. He's going to write the majority of the New Testament from his prison, from his prison, his house arrest. We need to be ready. Paul obviously was not ready, was, was ready to share his, share his testimony because he got caught off guard, didn't he? He was just in the temple doing his vows when all of a sudden, boom, he's thrust into a place where he must tell the gospel. That's where each one of us need to be. It, you may be in a McDonald's. You need to share the gospel with somebody. Who knows where you're going to be and God's going to bring somebody into your life. We need to be ready. I gave this same challenge to the men up at camp yesterday. Uh, they actually got a worksheet to write out their testimony. I'm going to give you some homework. I would like you to go home today, write out your testimony. What was your life before you came to know Jesus Christ? How did you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Remember to put the gospel in there. And then what has your life been like since? So that's your homework. Go home and write it out so you're ready. And then share it with a believer. Share it with somebody else. As a matter of fact, if you're doing this, you know, if you, if you say to a friend, hey, let's do this together because I, I, I want to be able to share it. When we train our guides at guide school, we want every guide to share their testimony several times so that they have the ability to, to mold it. One of the things that happens quite often is we get really long-winded like the preachers do. Right? It's, it's 10.02, all right? But we need to be able to do our testimony in 7 to 10 minutes. Some people say do it in 90 seconds. That's called the elevator model. But sharing in, in 7 to 10 minutes how you got saved so that you can show somebody else how to get saved. Well, we're going to come to uh, communion. And as we look at communion, I want, you to, I want you to think about somebody, you know somebody that needs to hear your testimony. That needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't know Jesus. And you have the opportunity to share that with. And so if, if, you, if you get that testimony written out, if you know how to share it, and then, and then make a plan, ambush them, right? 
Make a plan. Hey, can I take you out to lunch? Can I take you out to Come over to the house and let's have tea. I want to share with you something that I've been working on. Very few people will turn you down. If you say, I've been working on this. This is something that's important to me. Would you come and let me share with you what I've been working on? Most people will, they're not going to, oh, I don't know. They may say, I'm not coming to church with you. But very few people will turn you down and say, this is something I've been working on myself that's very personal to me. I would like to share it with you. And I guarantee you, They'll say, okay, I'll come and listen. Not everyone will accept Jesus Christ the first time you share it, but don't give up on them. Jesus didn't give up on us. He didn't give up on the 12. Matter of fact, he didn't even give up on Judas. The day that he gave us the Lord's Supper, you know what Jesus did for Judas? He washed his feet. He gave him the place of honor at the table because Jesus was praying that Judas would stop in his tracks. But Satan had already gotten a hold of him. God never gives up on us. Don't give up on somebody around you that has said, oh, I don't want to go to your church. I don't want to hear about the Bible. This is not about the Bible. This is about what God did to me personally.